0: Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are served from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band, a full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission, and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more info.
1: That was a catastrophe, wasn't it? I need a, I need a new green deal of my own here.
0: Nothing got accomplished there. Everything <laughs> we had planned out the window. Out the window.
1: But... uh but it's, it's, it's OK now. It's just smells really going to be smells good, then it? it's yeah. like grapes and all that stuff anyway. Um, this green deal let me tell you something. There is a tendency in America. And, and you saw it clearly, really, um, during the last Congress, not this one, because this Congress, uh, all bets are off. These, these are these crazy people in Washington now. I mean, I, I saw a segment, I'm sure many of you saw of uh, some kids, little kids with their teacher going into Senator Diane Feinstein's office. OK? I don't know how old Diane Feinstein is, but I know she's you know got to be in her 80s. And she's in there like arguing with these little kids about this green deal, and the teacher who's with the little kids. Is getting all up in the senator's face. Now, mind you, Senator Dianne Feinstein is nobody that I have ever had any political agreements with. Read my lips. Never had agreements with. Okay. So she's in there and these kids are telling her, Oh, the world's going to end in 12 years. And the teacher is saying that as well. And, and I'm, I'm, I felt bad, in a way, for Diane Feinstein because these are constituents. You can't just kick them out of your office. They came from a, oh, guess where? They came from a school in San Francisco. It might even be the school my grandson Benjamin goes to. Who knows? I'm sure his teachers would show up in Diane Feinstein's office and tell her that we're all going to die. That's how they... That's how they get you to do things that if you were in your right mind, you would never do, is they scare you. We're all going to die. It's only, we only have 12 years. It's always an emergency. It's got to happen today. Can't wait. Because God forbid we should sit down and have a reasoned debate about this, right? God forbid we should talk about this in a rational kind of manner. God forbid we should actually look at some of these things that they keep screaming about like uh, climate change and global warming and and all of these imminent disasters, how we're going to have more floods and more hurricanes and more tornadoes and more tsunamis. Um, Sure, we are like we always do and always have. You know, there are just so many reasons to roll your eyes at this green dream, green bill. But I think. What I want you to understand today, if you understand nothing else, that what this plan is proposing is to control every single aspect of your life. It's going to control um, universal health care, food security, whatever that means to them. Food secu- I mean, they're, they're, the socialist countries are where they're rooting around in the dumpsters for food, but she's worried about food security. And we should only have healthy foods available to us. And we got to stop eating that uh, hamburgers for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'll eat whatever the heck I want to. As long as I can pay for it. And as long as it's available in the stores. I don't want the government, you know, Democrats or people who act like Democrats, because I think Bloomberg might have not been a Democrat when he came up with that. You can't have a soda bigger than 12 ounces or whatever the heck it was. No more big gulps. They're going to be banned in New York and, and you can't have straws in California. All of these things that they do, and they always have a great reason for doing it. You know, the environment, oh, the poor little children in the future. I get that. I get that. But you know what? My straw is not going to impinge on your future, little kids, okay? Every one of these things they want to control are are things that I'm so pleased that I have choice about. And in doing that, in taking over everything, they are going to bankrupt this country. Because every single American is going to have to pay more for things. Every single American is going to be put up against the wall and told, if you don't change, if you don't retrofit your house right now, you can't live in it anymore. Well, I know people who can't afford to get new carpeting, all right? And they certainly aren't going to be able to retrofit their houses, as if that were even possible. You know, the total price is really over $93 trillion, and that's a conservative estimate. That's no deal. That's the value of all the Fortune 500 companies combined. You should have innovation. I think it was Senator Barrasso last night was saying on one of the shows that the, the answer to the f- the future, both solvency and environmental friendliness, is in innovation. It's not in controlling my behavior. We sh- it, why don't we promote... in in innovation instead of reducing carbon dioxide emissions. Why not new technologies like advanced nuclear power, like carbon capture, like carbon utilization? That's the key. That's the future. That's how you significantly reduce emissions. You can lower your emissions without crashing the economy but they're not interested in having this conversation. No, 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 because then they don't have any control. If they have companies that are innovating and coming up with other solutions, well, then they can't tell you what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. We're already leading the world in carbon emissions reduction. We're number one, okay? The, the, the first year of the Trump administration, emissions were reduced by something like 2.5%. And you got to know that was not high on his list of priorities, okay? But that's what freedom does. Freedom frees up innovation. Freedom allows companies to put forward ideas that become reasonable. You know, when people say to me, "Well, why? Are, if you live in Florida, why don't you have solar panels on your house? It, it would only make sense. You got so much sun." Blah blah blah. Well, you know why most of us didn't end up with solar panels on our house because they were too darn expensive. They didn't work very well and they were destroyed by the weather. Okay? So now what we need is innovation. We need to figure a more durable and a more affordable solar uh, system for delivering energy. It can be done, but not if the only person you're giving money to is the Solindris of the world. These corporations that call themselves green and then they're bankrupt before you know it. The, The American Action Forum... Calculated that green housing, meaning turning your house, retrofitting it to make it very green conscious. I mean, I feel like uh, I feel like Kermit. It's not easy being green. Would cost between one point six trillion dollars and four point two trillion dollars. If you had a jobs guarantee, which is part of the green plan that's going to cost between $6.5 trillion and $44.5 trillion. A net zeroes emissions transportation system, I don't even like saying it, okay, between one and a half trillion and two and a half trillion trillion and trillion, a low-carbon electricity grid between $5 trillion and billion. So... Enough high-speed rail to make air travel in this country unnecessary would cost about $2.5 trillion. Universal health care, this Medicare for all that uh, she keeps hyping, would cost $36 trillion over the 10 years, totaling $250,000 per household in the United States. You know, the figures are... Conservative, that I'm throwing out at you. I I had to tone them down because you would think I was kidding if I told you some of the high end estimates. Researchers assumed obtaining a low carbon electricity grid would require no new construction of transmission assets, when in actuality, such a grid would require a new infrastructure. The Green Deal will be very, very expensive. And guess what? You're paying for it. I know what having to restructure an entire infrastructure looks like. I went to Puerto Rico after the hurricane where the infrastructure was decimated. They still don't have full power on everywhere in the island. And it's well over a year since that took place. Imagine, the island couldn't get it back together in a year. How's this country of 330 million people, maybe 200 million households, how's it going to get it together in 10 years? Electricity rates will go up. The Green New Deal would actually increase your electricity bill up to about... $3,000, $3,500 $3,000, 3500 per year. I groan under my $1,200 a year electricity bill. Triple? Triple? We should stop reproducing? I'm telling you, I'm listening to all of these people that have supported her, her plan. You know, all these people who think it's a great idea, these 2020 contenders... Kamala Kamala, whatever. Elizabeth Warren. Bernie Socialist. Communist Sanders. I, I, I know. I know that they're all in support of this. Yeah, we like this bill. It's great. Yeah. Stop reproducing. Yeah. Can't make this stuff up. Cory Booker. He's still running, isn't he? I haven't heard much out of him.
0: He might be going to the little table.
1: Yeah, he's happening. on the little table. He hasn't been able to raise any money, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> He said that the planet simply can't sustain people eating meat. And he compared the Green New Deal to landing on the moon or fighting World War II. Corey, please start eating meat again because your brain is deteriorating right before our very eyes. If you really believe for one second that people in America are going to give up meat because you said it would be a good idea so that we could sustain the environment, then you will be at the small table during the debates. Eat your veggies. I don't understand why they do that. You know, it's, it it makes you never want to go to their websites again. But of course, I wanted to share this with you. Both have been walking the halls of Congress, making this pitch to members. What is the pitch when you're telling them what this fund does and how it needs to help people like John field to your left?
0: Uh, I mean. It, it, you don't even really have to make a pitch because the moral argument is is already there it's sort of uh, incomprehensible that this would be something that would cause john field john has half a foot and one kidney and friends with cancer that he has to bring down here to patrol the hall the idea that you would come down here almost two hundred seventy times to convince people of what almost seems to be a moral absolute is our duty to these first responders and these survivors, they came down to the site as fast as they could, and they stayed there for months. The only thing analogous to the kind of air that was down at the World Trade Center are burn pits in Iraq and Afghanistan. Those towers disintegrated on 9/11, and the first responders breathed in and ate this atomized combination of glass and mercury and asbestos and any kind of toxin that you can imagine. And began to get sick almost immediately. And certain cancers have different latency periods, and certain exposures in terms of lung disease have different latency periods. But the idea that 18 years later, they're still tugging on the hemline of the government to get this bill through and to get it funded properly and to make it permanent is truly beyond comprehension even for a dysfunctional body
1: yeah and what uh, john stewart also went on to say was that the president has done everything he could it's congress it's congress that has failed to live up to its obligation to those first responders and uh, i hope guys like john stewart who are you know died in the wool liberals realize that it is congress That he needs to hold accountable for everything. And it is Congress that is, uh, you know, deciding that it wants to run with a program, really of, uh, you know, literally just stealing away the freedoms of Americans and calling it in your best interest. Where have I heard that before? Every single dictator who's ever come down the pike, every tyrant, every communist leader uh, has said the same thing. We're doing this for your good. Trust us. You can follow us. We wouldn't do anything to hurt you. It's Congress. Congress is a mess. And we need to do something about that. And I'm talking about both sides of the aisle. So anyway, uh, you know, forget that Green New Deal. I've already explained to you, it is a raw deal for the American. It is a deal that steals yet more of our freedoms away. And I have a little bit of, of real good advice for my friends in the traditional forms of media, whether that's newspaper, television, or radio. And this would be my advice to you. If you don't think that we have a free press in this country, if you don't think that you have enough freedom, go down and interview Nicolas Maduro, would you?
0: Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. every Friday night of the year. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are optional, Serve from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live van from 7 to 11 playing ballroom, standards, party music, and German traditional. Full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers, on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more information.
1: So is Jorge uh, still there in uh, Venezuela? Or did they confiscate our news guy? <laughs> it's just checking, you know. Because, of course, he doesn't believe that Donald Trump allows him to be free. You know, so. Oh, well. Um, she's the boss, though. You know, that's that's where we are today, that we have some 29-year-old uh, character. I, I, I don't want to say what I really think of her. Um, telling telling the rest of Congress that she's the boss because they didn't get this done, and we'll do it her way, or as Dianne Feinstein told the little kids, or it's either my way or the highway. Is that what the kids today say? Do you remember being, well, many of you won't remember this, but I I remember it. When I was uh, in elementary school, if you were on, like, the debate team or the honor honor society, um, all of which I was on, Because I was a geeky little kid. Um, And I was, you know, chubby and didn't, you know, participate in too much of the gym stuff until middle school when I thinned out and started playing basketball. But in elementary school, I was just like your typical, like, geeky, you know, wear glasses um, kid. Pencil protector. No, I didn't have a pencil protector. But I had the female equivalent of it, you know, a Barbie pencil case that I carried with me everywhere I went. I don't know if it was Barbie. I don't think it was Barbie because I don't know if Barbie even existed then, but it was some some kind of uh Betsy Wetsy case or something. Anyway, the biggest thrill was if you got to go on a class trip to Washington DC. Now, I lived in New York City, so it's not like it was that far. I mean, it was a whole day excursion, but it was uh, manageable. And I wanted to go on that trip so bad, I got selected, I guess I was in the fifth grade. And I was, I could go on the trip with whatever group it was. I was, might have been the Honor Society, I don't remember. And my parents couldn't afford the trip because it wasn't like they took you for nothing. You had to pay a hundred bucks or something. And, you know, I remember my parents telling me like, we wish we could go, you could go, this would be a great trip for you, but we just don't have the money. And... I have to admit, I was the kind of kid who was super sensitive about that kind of stuff. Like, I would just act like it didn't bother me. And I'd say, oh, well, we got plenty of money, you know, I don't need to do that. And, and lie to my friends about why it wasn't going, you know. And the next summer, my father rented a car and we went down to Washington. Like, my mother, my brother, I don't know if my brother went. I know I went and my cousin Karen, they took my cousin Karen, with me. And we went down to Washington. And the big deal was that you would get to walk through the Capitol building and, if possible, maybe even see them in session. And the other big thrill was that you could, if you could get a tour of the White House, which was, it's almost impossible now. It was, I think, probably less possible then. So what you basically did was you got to go stand in front of it and look at it. And then you got to go stand in front of the Capitol building and go into the gift shop or, you know, the lobby. And I remember trembling when I was walking up the Capitol steps. I was so um, awestruck by being in the seat of government. You know, even a fifth grader, I knew more about civics than my adult children probably know. And I I thought about, you know, the original... Um, Founding fathers and how they designed this government in the most innovative and unique way possible with the separation of powers, with these three branches of government, or as uh, the idiot uh, AOC likes to say, the three chambers. Um, and I, I stood there and I, I don't remember if I cried, but I certainly was moved. And I remember my cousin Karen. Um, looking at me and saying, it's not that big a deal. And I remember thinking, she has no idea. You know, she doesn't understand what this, what this represents to me. And now my cousin Karen went to Catholic school. She went to St. Elizabeth's Catholic school. And I don't know if they taught civics there or not. I'm sure they did. But I don't think, uh, you know, it was their priority. You know, their, their priority was, was Christianity studying, um, Catholicism in particular. And so, and I didn't have any of that at school. We did pray in my classroom every morning, but I didn't, uh, you know, I wasn't being trained in any of religious doctrine except that after school and Hebrew school or whatever they chose to put me in each year was a different religion that I went into. But, um, but I remember thinking how sad it was that she did not feel what I was feeling standing on those capital steps and, and thinking to myself, you know, it's amazing what this government is all about. It's unbelievable how we are kept free because we're in charge. You know, this is a government that functions um, by virtue of the power the people give it. Not, It's not a feudal society where the lords tell us what's going to be what. Or it wasn't designed that way. Let's put it that way. And so I remember, you know, fast forward 50 years later. I'm walking up those same Capitol steps with a newly elected congressman. And, um, and, and we both have that same overwhelming feeling about how incredible this system is and how great this government is, right? Except that I was starting to get really jaded already. You know, I had seen the ugly underbelly of uh, campaigns. I had seen the destruction that gets done to individuals who choose to run for office, whatever their motives are. And I, I really I felt more like my cousin that day than I did like the little girl, Joyce, who stood on those steps because I thought it wasn't all that great. And a year after that or two years after that, I went to um, – the Supreme Court to watch Fane Lozman versus the city of Riviera Beach to watch the case be argued in front of the Supreme Court justices who at the time um, included uh, Justice Scalia. And I remember walking out of the Supreme Court and I was pretty impressed by the whole thing. I mean, I'd never been there before in a session and I never got to go back again, but I remember walking out of there and Feeling a little bit deflated, but Fane, who was standing next to me, was so enrapped en- and enamored of the whole DC experience. Because of course, if you, he didn't know he was going to prevail, but he did prevail. And he just was, he appreciated the fact that some guy living in Florida on a, you know, on a floating house had the ability to go and redress his grievances at that level, that he could stand in front of this judiciary and have his case be argued. He didn't argue his case. He had uh, constitutional attorneys of the highest caliber argue it, but he was instrumental in putting their argument together. And so he was still a big believer. You know, He was imbued so much so that he he tried to do it again. And I remember saying, you know, Fane, you're not going to get another case in front of the Supreme Court. That just never happens. And of course he did. And he prevailed again. And that is the part that keeps me encouraged, is that there's just enough left of the country we were designed to be to remind me every now and again that it's worth fighting for. That you have to push back against all of these, um, I don't know, fair weather politicians who are up there and more, inc- more, um, more impressed by each other than they are by the constituents who sent them there. That they literally look down their noses at us, and in many cases violate our desires. Don't stand up for the things that are important to us. Seem embarrassed by us, and don't want to answer us. You know, how many letters have I written to my congressman that I've never received a response for or only received a a form letter back? You know, my vote or my not voting is what determines who gets to go to Congress. And I've been on the losing end of that stick for a long time. You know, I have not been able to vote for a congressman that represented me in a long time. I live in a district that is notoriously um, Democrat, and the only way to get, uh, Congressman Deutsch out of there is to find some version of, uh, you know, an AOC on the right. And I don't have to roll my eyes in view for you to know that I'm rolling my eyes right now. And that's why, look, um, I haven't given up. I know some days it sounds like I'm so frustrated that I'm giving up. I have not given up. But I think you better get ready to fight a real fight. That if you want to preserve what's left of this nation, you are going to have to understand what's in those documents, all the, the what the Constitution really says, what all these statutes and all these legis- all these things that have been legislated subsequently to it, what they really mean, what they stand for. You are going to have to be willing to put up a fight. Otherwise, they're just going to steal it away from you, one piece at a time. This Green New Deal is, the, is in my opinion the greatest theft ever attempted to be perpetrated on the American people. My only, uh, you know, the only thing that keeps me sane about it is that it doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell of ever being realized. And for the, uh, you know, the uh, esteemed on the left, AOC, let me tell you something, AOC, you are not the boss. And every day that goes by, I'm more convinced that, uh, AOC is really, is really a, like a GOP plant. Because sometimes it's just, it's, it's unbelievable to me that she could be as ignorant as she shows herself to be. John Cornyn, who is a, uh, Republican senator, um, he quoted Mussolini a couple of days ago basically um, as a way of showing just how vile and foul socialism really is and so he quoted uh, a Mussolini um, we were the first to assert that the more complicated the forms assumed by civilization the more restricted the freedom of the individual must become that was Benito. Himself who said that, and so only a total idiot would think this was anything other than a tweet that blasted socialism, which is probably why uh, she, she Guevara, as as, uh, some people like to call her, as she Guevara, wrote a tweet out says in case you missed it. While the GOP is calling paying a living wage socialism, a Republican senator full-on quoted National Fascist Party leader and Hitler ally Benito Mussolini like it's a hallmark card. It's like she wants us to make fun of her. Is what I think. Seriously, I, I mean, she's got to be a plant. The the, the, the Republicans had to had to do this on purpose because she's truly the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, and speaking of a gift, uh, a gift to Republicans, Representative Dan Cren- Crenshaw, who is now my favorite representative. Well, I, I still like Brian Mass, but the, Dan Crenshaw is definitely climbing the uh, rings on the ladder of popularity. He dropped a little knowledge on the I- exchange that was going on between Cornyn and the public and Ayok a- a- or She Guevara. He's clearly implying that powerfully, powerful centralized government erodes individual freedom. He's right. The opportunistic outrage from critics is absurd and ignores that one, Mussolini was a self-described socialist. Two, he was lauded by the Democratic Party in the 1930s. Maybe you should learn your history, Shigavara. Just saying. You know, I love this guy, Crenshaw. First and foremost, he seems to be in the right spot at all times when it comes to the Twitter universe. He's as good at Twitter as the president is. And believe me, I had an argument just the other day with someone who said to me, look, I could, I could, you know, I could be much more supportive of the president if he would just stop with those tweets. And I said, as I opened the show today, and I'm going to say it every day for the rest of my life, if the president didn't tweet, If he didn't give it back to them, then we would be in the same position we have been in historically, on the losing end. It's all their narrative, 23 hours a day, and for one measly Twitter hour, he gets to have his say and fight back. I love that. I am convinced to the core of my being that we are uh, are in a time where if we did not have a president— who behaved in this manner, who was willing to fight these creeps that are assailing him and our freedoms, that we would be lost much quicker. You know, this would go down more quickly and every idiot leftist out there um, would be getting more and more power. I was thinking about a ticket for 2024 because I expect uh, President Trump to get another term in 2020. But I was thinking a ticket in 2024 would be Nikki Haley and Dan Crenshaw. Well, that that would be a kick butt uh, ticket. Or you could go the other way, Crenshaw, Haley. I'm not, you know, either one works for me. But he's definitely, he is an up and coming contender Um, and that's why when they keep showing you AOC as their new future, we should hold up Dan Crenshaw as the future of conservatives. You know, I hate to say Republicans because half the Republicans should be in the garbage right now, but at least conservatives. Here's your liberal. Here's your conservative. Why don't we have a a debate between AOC and Dan Crenshaw and see how that, (laughs) see how that works out? That'd be worth the price. I'll be the moderator except that I'll just end up laughing right at her and that's not nice. You want to treat them nicely. Anyway, um, it's amazing. It's just amazing to me that we're having some of the conversations we're having. All right, well, let's, uh, we got to close for this hour. We're coming back and uh, we're going to have an opportunity to talk about some of the subjects Yes, I do want to talk about some stories that are also in the news, like the president's in North Korea. And all of the headlines are, he's going to cave. He's going to give in. And you know what my expectation is? We win. Kim loses. See you in just a few minutes.